Hello and welcome to Crime Stories of Pakistan. We are at episode 9 and I'm your host Jehan. Today's episode dives into a deeply disturbing reality concerning child abuse. This case was brought to my attention by a listener of this podcast, so thank you so much for that. I appreciate your suggestion. The information we'll be discussing comes from articles dated in 2019 that makes it a relatively recent case i have to give a quick disclaimer before we proceed listener discretion is advised given the sensitive nature of the topic we're about to explore in the mountains of dir pakistan lived a young 13 year old boy named akbar Deer is a city in the upper Deer district and it was Akbar's hometown. It is a place known for its humble dwellings and there is a towering presence of poverty that plagues its streets. Akbar was one out of four brothers and they all carried the weight of their family's future on their young shoulders. You see their father was absent and it left the responsibility of supporting the family solely to the brothers. Education had been a luxury for Akbar who had only managed to complete his primary schooling before financial constraints forced him to abandon his academic aspirations. The burden of finances forced this young 13-year-old to make difficult decision he had to leave his hometown and find work in sharag a small city in balochistan it is exactly 1700 kilometers and a grueling 18 hours ride away from his home but the prospect of a job in sharag a city famed for its coal mines offered a glimmer of hope for Akbar. Sharag held an atmosphere that was both traditional and religious. In this small city, men held dominance, while women rarely ventured beyond the confines of their homes. But what the city is truly known for was its treasure trove of coal boasting an impressive gang of 300 to 400 mines. Over 30,000 men rummage into the depths of the mines daily. Their sweat and hard work extract the black gold that fueled both the industry and livelihoods. The district of Sharag primarily hosted the Pashtun population. Their presence was deeply ingrained in the region's social fabric. Although a minority, there were Mari or Mari Baloch present in this district too, but they were scattered across the rugged mountain terrains. And just so that we understand this mix of population in this district, Pashtuns are an Eastern Iranian ethnic group. 
that primarily reside in southern and eastern Afghanistan and northwestern Pakistan. The Balochis are a western Iranian ethnic group native to Balochistan. The Maris or Maris are a Balochi speaking tribe of these Baloch people and they inhibit a large region in the northeastern Balochistan in Pakistan. Balochistan is another province of Pakistan. And the southern part of Sharag is where coal-laden mountains exist. A local Pashtun echoed the sentiment held by many, a deep-rooted connection between the people and the mountains. Quote, one cannot remain jobless thanks to these mountains. Unquote. It is a testament to the economic lifeline that the coal-rich hills represented. His conviction rang clear. With the beckoning call of opportunity, jobs were abundant for those willing to venture into the depths of the mines. Although Sharag had an abundance of opportunities, one would ask themselves, why would Akbar, this young 13-year-old, not find a job closer to his hometown or closer to his family? But Akbar's main purpose of traveling almost 18 hours away from his home was to replace one of his brothers who had already been working there. And Akbar had taken the role of a cook in that district in order to financially support his family. In an interview between Dawn News and Akbar, he said, quote, All children, including me, work here because we either do not have elders, like parents or uncles, or they are all disabled and senile. I am paid 10,000 rupees monthly, unquote. That's barely $35 a month. Akbar is housed in a mud and stone cottage at the top of the mountain. And there are only two bedrooms and one kitchen. But I'm sure when 13-year-old Akbar embarked on his journey from Deer to the coal mines of Sharag, he did so with modest expectations, devoid of any anticipation for attention. However, the news of a newcomer, it spread like wildfire through the colony of miners. As soon as Akbar set foot on the Al-Gilani branch of the mountain, where eight coal mines were located, he unwittingly became a subject of discussion and curiosity. A new sensation in town. Quote, the new boy that many men were lusting after sheds light on a darker aspect of the situation Akbar found himself in. So at 3 p.m., the first shift of miners return and Akbar is sitting on a big rock and chatting with a tall man. A local tells the interviewer, quote, he, Akbar, is their special guy. The monthly payment he is given is for satisfying their lust, not to work. They do not let him in the coal mine because he will get blackened. Unquote. 
Ali, a 16-year-old, arrived from Swat in 2017 in search of a livelihood. He works as a coal cutter against a monthly salary of 35,000 rupees. But while he's at the mines, he has been trigger warning routinely raped by adult men. It is a situation that is shockingly considered normal by all adult men within the environment. They tell the interviewer, quote, it's all normal. The horrifying and deeply disturbing reality faced by children like Akbar and Ali in the coal mines of Sharag is not an isolated case of just one or two children who go through this. The fact is that children are brought to the mines from Khyber Pakhtunwa and even from Afghanistan with the explicit purpose of abuse. They are used as sexual partners by mature coal miners. These boys are unable to say no and stay silent due to their desperation of money, even if it is in exchange for providing sexual services. In the heart of the coal mines, a grim encounter unfolds with Usman, a seasoned coal miner bearing the marks of time on his face. Tall and weathered, his black beard and moustache are adorned with white patches. He dons a white cap and drapes himself in an old chadar. A chadar is a large piece of cloth. For 15 years, he has been entrenched in the unforgiving world of mining. When the interviewer probes Usman to tell him what happens to these boys, it prompts an outburst from Usman. How can I tell you that we have engaged in such acts with boys? He exclaims, struggling to reconcile with the reality of the question. After the storm of emotion subsides, Usman begins to reveal a haunting truth that has long remained suppressed. He confesses to engaging in sexual acts with boys within the coal mines and even beyond its confines. The abuse, as he unveils, is not abnormal or odd, but a grim reality that has festered within the mining community. Swatis and Afghanis all keep young Chotus, small boys, as sexual partners. Usman discloses that he does not have a Chotu of his own, primarily due to his local status and financial constraints. The coal mines reaching depths of up to 6,000 feet bear witness to these disgusting horrors. He further exposes the depths of depravity, re-encountering how children are forced to toil alongside adult miners and are subjected to abuse during the coal cutting process. Quote, We do have two or three children working inside the coal mines with us. At the time of coal cutting, deep inside the coal mines, we, ugh, the elder coal miners, have had sex with them too. And all this is routine. Unquote. 
In a moment of introspection, Usman gazes into the distance, grappling with the demons that haunt him. He implies that this abuse, this horrific, as horrific as it may be, it serves as a twisted form of escape from the relentless agony of mining. Quote, The more you work inside the coal mine, the more you start hating it. He murmurs, shedding light on the perverse coping mechanisms that arise amidst the darkness. In the vicinity of the coal mine, adjacent to the bus stop, stands a modesty vendor shop. This spot is famous for being populated by truck drivers, either transporting coal from the mountains into the town or departing from it. They pause at this rest stop, seeking a moment of rest and refreshment. On this particular occasion, the interviewer is guided to the spot to meet an individual known as Rehan, or in the local village, he is known as Red Cat. You're going to be extremely triggered now. So, please be prepared. Rehan is a 56-year-old man with a notorious reputation for preying on children in the area. His name Red Cat is derived from his distinctive features. He possesses a reddish complexion and sports a red beard and moustache. As he emerges from a corner, draped in a black chadar, a red Afghani cap perched upon his head, wearing a beige coat, an uncomfortable air settles around him. He greets the gathering but remains distant. The interviewer offers a cup of tea, which he politely declines. Instead, he reaches into his kameez, his shirt pocket, and retrieves a few almonds. With practice routine, he skillfully breaks their shells one by one, using a stone, and begins to consume them. This encounter paints a chilling portrait of an individual whose outward appearance contradicts the darkness within an individual who haunts the lives of the innocent in this community. He goes on to tell the interviewer, Do you think I am a lunatic? That I will speak to a man holding a pen and notebook? But eventually, like Usman, he too confesses to sexually abusing children. Trigger warning. Quote, Sometimes children come themselves, claims Red Cat. If not, then I can smell which children can be lured into having sex. Unquote. Note, although children by and large get some kind of work at this tea vendor shop or around that area, unfortunately when they don't, sex work is always available as their fallback option. If we take what Red Cat says, at face value that means most of the children in this area who are between 7 to 18 years of age almost all of them have been sexually abused by someone or the other Rehan goes on to say that one of his victims is a 9 year old called Salman and Salman works with him to separate clay, sand and stone from the coal he says that he's been working with him since he was six. Six. 
the young Salman, he's a nine-year-old boy. He is trapped in this cruel cycle of poverty. Salman is a part of a family of seven, burdened by the weight of survival. His father, worn by age and unable to work, leaves the responsibility of sustaining the family to his five children and wife. Quote, My mother once saw a neighbor's child going out to work. She saw that these children would hand their mother money for whatever work they could find at the tea shop. And so she started sending me to work. Unquote. His daily life revolves around the grueling task of loading coal onto trucks, a task that would challenge even the strongest of adults. Yet this innocent child shoulders the weight of at least 60 kilograms of coal each day. He's nine. He's nine years old. The stark contrast between his tender age and the harsh labor he endures exemplifies the cruelty of his circumstance. And Salman's responsibilities are not only physically taxing, but also psychologically and emotionally damaging. He is thrust into a world where he is forced to interact with mature men, exposing him to unspeakable acts of abuse, like inappropriately touching them and spanking them. And the very nature of his work makes him vulnerable to exploitation and robbing him of his innocence. Salman says, quote, I do so all on my own. Sometimes I load four trucks along with other children. There are four children required for each and every truck. Against it, we are paid 400 rupees per day. Unquote. 400 rupees per day is $1.3 a day. In the midst of his reality, Salman clings to a modest dream to become a truck driver. It's a simple aspiration one that signifies a desire for a life better than his current flight. Quote, I want to become a truck driver. Not more than that, shares Salman. I am so triggered right now. Rehan, Red, Cla- Red Cat, claims that uh, children come to him themselves because they know he will pay. And when the interviewer goes around interviewing the young boys he comes to realize that due to the fear of returning home empty-handed these young boys agree to get raped and in some cases children are shown greener pastures or given the promise of a gift like red cat he claims he regularly uses a boy in exchange for a cell phone. Other incentives for these boys include drugs. They're 7 to 18 years old. Background interviews with Sharag's children suggest that their parents, in most cases, are aware of their children's sexual exploitation. But they turn a deaf ear to any complaints on the basis that these children are earning money and they desperately need this money to make ends meet. This is why Sharag's children have friendships with people as old as their parents. 
Rehan goes on to say he favors children standing near trucks. One boy in particular is his favorite. He invites him over during the afternoon. Intercourse takes place where the boy is made to feel special. This is him saying this. Oh my god, if I was there, I don't know how I would react. And we're not done. I'm so sorry. We're we're just not done. Another horrific reality of child exploitation is illustrated by the heart-wrenching story of a 12-year-old named Fezan. These innocent children are robbed of their childhood and are subjected to unimaginable abuse and trauma. Fezan at an age where he should be embracing the joys of youth and education instead is forced into this nightmarish world of truck drivers his young life is tragically defined by sitting in a truck driver's seat serving as a victim of sexual abuse by the very man he accompanies they keep him just for that you'll always see a truck driver with a small boy and the purpose of this small boy is just to abuse him and the compensation he receives is 400 rupees per day not that that makes it any better but that's only 1 dollar a day it is a cruel reminder of the callousness that sustains this cycle of suffering and it's already a lot i can, i know that i'm so sorry but there is another story that comes out about a 12 year old boy named nader all these names have been changed His family fled from Afghanistan and sought refuge in Pakistan. And just so you know, Afghanis are known to be attractive and handsome and, and a beautiful population. If you're a boy living in this area, I don't know, I don't even think being beautiful or not would save you from these oh, I don't even know what to call them. I don't even want to call them I can't call them people, I can't call them animals. I I don't know these these demons. In the desperate pursuit of making a living, Nader resorted to selling everyday items to coal miners. However, this very act exposed him to the deeply disturbing advances of these miners. And despite refusing the sexual favors demanded of him, the unrelenting pressure of providing for his family forced Nader to go back to these vile abusers. to sell his items to them and then one day venturing alone to one of these mines because he would take his items and go from mine to mine trying to sell these items nader fell victim to two fellow afghan coal miners who kidnapped him and raped him and in order to evade justice they ended nader's young life and buried him in a nearby mine so that no one could track him and before anyone could find his grave they fled back to afghanistan so they couldn't be arrested and all of this because nader a 12 year old boy had refused their advances the horrors described in the context of sharang are indeed beyond comprehension and deeply disturbing the exploitation and abuse of children especially in the pursuit of financial stability for their families is just a reminder of how urgently change is needed it's 
disheartening that such appalling practices are ignored or seen as normal by the locals and it's hidden from the public eye and what makes me think this is generational abuse those same young children who go through the abuse grow up and repeat it and there's nobody telling them that this is wrong or this is not their way this this is not a way to live and their parents are encouraging them just because of money widespread awareness campaigns and education are a crucial tool to challenge and change the harmful beliefs and norms surrounding abuse by addressing this issue openly and educating communities about the rights of children and the consequences of such acts we can work towards a society that protects its most vulnerable members but there needs to be an effort from authorities and organizations to enforce laws to prosecute abusers and provide safe avenues for reporting and supporting victims unfortunately in pakistan just like in any other country just i'm just going to say that it's not just pakistan the blame is always on the victim it's just it's such a sick mentality collaboration and a multifaceted approach involving communities governments ngos and international bodies are essential to effectively combat and eradicate these practices but in the vicinity of sharag stands the pakistan mineral development corporation office shah abbas is a young office assistant and he shares a chilling reality he says that the pmdc claims ownership of over 6551 acres of land in sharag stating that they had between 300 to 400 coal mines but only a little over 500 workers were officially registered and as you remember 30000 over 30000 coal miners are present in this vicinity but only 500 are registered pmdc seems to be an avenue of hope along with the government they have taken the initiative of building a school for children in the area of the coal mines and although it resembles a dilapidated primary school hafiz bashir who is an islamia teacher is trying to make a difference he ventures into the coal mines he persuades parents to send their children to school he aims to protect them from these harrowing social evils that prey on these young souls Sharag like other places in Balochistan is tainted with a horrifying desensitization of children to sexual intimacy. Children are exploited and caught in this vicious cycle of abuse. Bashir's goal is to educate these children, to teach them right from wrong and to make them aware of their rights. Why aren't you teaching the coal miners right from wrong? Why is it just the children? But it's a good initiative. but he claims it is an uphill battle because parents deter from sending their children to school the haunting stats from sahil an ngo working with child abuse victims highlights that child abuse faces a battle on two fronts one is combating the normalcy of the abuse and secondly addressing the gaps in implementing protective laws According to Sahil the NGO in 2023 the total number of abuse victims was 2227 last year in the same period of time it was 2211 please note a lot of these cases are not even reported out of these 
2,227 victims, more than half, which is 54%, were girls. But this year, the number of boys abused had risen to 1,020. In Pakistan, an average of 12 children per day, or one every two hours, are subjected to sexual abuse. Sharag is indeed a glaring example of how the normalization of child abuse begs for urgent attention. The need for effective implementation of existing laws, community education, and collective action to break this cycle of abuse is more pressing than ever. Without acknowledging the problem and taking decisive steps, a safe and protected future for these vulnerable children remains a distant hope. And that was just a glimpse into not only child abuse, but even child labor present in Pakistan. And addressing such issues is so challenging, it is so triggering, but it's so crucial to shine light on what the most vulnerable endure on a daily basis in Pakistan. But thank you so much for joining me on Crime Stories of Pakistan. I have to take a step out of this. On a lighter note, episode 10 will bring an exciting change. I cannot wait to share it with all my listeners. I want to express my gratitude to each and every one of you for being a part of this podcast journey. Your support has been incredible. Stay tuned to hear about this podcast's big news. Keep showing your love and support as you have been doing. And thank you so much to all my listeners. Until episode 10, this is your host Jehan signing off. Stay vigilant, stay compassionate, but most importantly, Stay curious.